Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, Des Cahill here, welcoming you to the final Des's Island Discs programme of this run. The programme was meant to run for two weeks at the start of Covid. But now, as we head into September, we have done more than 100 programmes. It's been great fun. The idea of the programme was to give everyone a break from a day-long run of depressing and worrying news about the Covid outbreak. But the formula proved hugely popular as we learned a little more about people we know through their musical choices. For our final programme, we're taking a switch in direction. Our guest is not somebody who would be reasonably well-known around the country, but she represents the group of people who have been most important to us in the lockdown the frontline workers. We felt this programme should mark all they have done for the community. So who better to have representing the frontline workers than today's guest, Maria Burke, a public health nurse from County Cork. So Maria, sincere thanks first of all to you and all of your wonderful colleagues up and down the country in the various sectors. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I suppose, Des, I'm uh, I'm in my mid, mid-50s and I've been working as a nurse for 40 years and I currently work as a public health nurse out of Kinsale Primary Care in Cork. And I'm very privileged to be working with an amazing uh, multidisciplinary team and a very supportive team and especially, you know, in this current crisis. And, you know, in my 40 years of nursing, I look around and I say, gosh, we are in a crisis, but also... You know, what is different to say compared to all my years of nursing and the difference here is that I've, I, I would say we support each other hugely and we support each other hugely on the front line, every one of the disciplines and we get great support from the GPs, which is extremely important in our line of work because as a public health nurse, you're looking after people from birth to death and every aspect of that right from the beginning and right to the end. How have you found COVID? Initially, I will say very stressful, and I had to look at that for myself as to why was it so stressful. But equally, the support of the government, the Minister for Health at at the time, Simon Harris, and the guidelines that we were being given from the top, extremely helpful. And then among ourselves as colleagues, supporting each other in that, because as nurses on the front line, and especially as public health nurses, you cannot stop working. You know, you, there are babies being born. You know, there are elderly that need care. There are palliative patients that need support. So you're thinking, how can I mind myself in all of this, but also mind the people that I am visiting? And I am hugely, hugely proud of the approach that certainly we have had in Conceal Primary Care in supporting each other around this. And it has really fermented to me that the way forward is primary care and the support of all the disciplines and especially the support of the home health out there on the ground. But tell me, tell me what your typical week would be like or is there a typical week? A typical week, you'd have your regular calls, Des, that, you know, maybe your weekly dressings or, you know, we would have had clinics that we had to suspend. But we never know how many new births we have. 
So if we come in on a Monday, we don't know if we're going to have to visit a, a mother or a baby or do a blood spot. And unfortunately, equally, we don't know if there's a new patient that has come on board that might be palliative that will need a full assessment by the public health nurse. So then you prioritise your visits. And you might have to put some off from the Monday to the Tuesday and equally see then with your colleagues what their work is like and do they need support around that. So there really is very difficult to say, would you have a a regular week or can you predict what it's going to be like? No, you can't. And what about, did you have a lot of people to visit who were on their own? Oh, yes, quite a few. And I suppose the Kinsale uh, area and surrounding um, uh, areas that we visit, you're looking, you're talking about a population of 20,000. And in that population, you could be travelling 50k in one day. And then you're talking, you're looking at people who are vulnerable, who maybe perhaps are not being visited by their family because of COVID. But yet the public health nurse, you're still going in, you're still seeing them, you're still doing their dressings. And equally, you're wearing your PPE and you're protecting yourself around this and you're also protecting them and explaining to them that this there's a need in this and this is why you have to do it to keep yourself safe and to keep them safe. But did some of them struggle with the loneliness of it all? Yes, I, I, yes, I will say that some of them would have struggled and they would tell you this and you know, you're there and you're listening and you're, you're, you're as supportive as you can be without personalising and you're trying to stay separate. But equally, you know, old people are amazing, Des. They're so resilient. And, you know, my old mother, who only died, say, two and a half years ago and was born in 1927, if I go into an elderly person and I'm, you know, taking details and I say, gosh, 1927 was a great year. And then I'd ask them, you know, how are you feeling around this? What are your thoughts on COVID? And the first thing they say is, oh, we've been through worse. We'll come through this. (laughs) You know, so they're quite wise and and rightly so. And they've so much experience and so much that we can learn uh, from those beautiful people about their own stories or or about what they've come through, because we too will come through. Well, let's go to your your first musical choice then, Maria. Yes, it's Tommy Fleming. Tell us about it. My mother uh, would have been a great fan of Tommy Fleming and I uh, would have had the opportunity to take her to some of his concerts. And I'm smiling because there's a few funny stories, but he he's a beautiful singer and one of her favourite songs uh, was The Orchard. And I know it is about uh, Waterford and Dungarvan. However, my beautiful twin brother, Dennis, has recently immigrated back from America and she would have been so happy to know he was back safe and well. And uh, this song is very relevant in that, as is Tommy. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Tommy Fleming and The Orchard. The choice of today's special guest, Maria Burke, a frontline worker, a public health nurse in Kinsale. And Maria, you, you mentioned your mother there. Tell us about her. Oh, mother was an amazing woman, you know, Des, and um, she became a widow at a very young age, at 53, and, you know, had nine, nine, nine children, nine tearaways sometimes, we say. And, you know, we, I also have a beautiful brother who was born Down syndrome and born in a time when, you know, maybe it wasn't acknowledged or we were from West Cork and mother would always say his disability didn't define him. She was always so proud of all of us and especially Francis. And she was an amazing woman. She was both mother and father to all of us. And I often think, what would mother say today if she was here? 
you know, especially around COVID. And she would have had so she would have wise words to say about it and would have been very, very able, you know, in in dealing with it and in saying, look, stay calm. We will get through this. We've come through worse. And where did you where did you grow up? Grew up in a little place outside of Lep in West Cork called Malutrahan, which I believe is the ancestral home of Brian O'Driscoll. So, and, um, you know, married my father. They were very much in love. You know, it was a, it was hard times, a small farm with nine children and certainly instilled a great confidence in all of us, especially in her four daughters. Yeah, God, it wasn't easy uh, back then, I've, I've no doubt. Yeah. So you began your nursing. Well, you went to Dublin, was it? I went to Dublin when I was 17 days. I, uh, I did my leaving when I was 16, which is far too young. And uh, I got the opportunity to do become a nurse cadet at the time it was called. And then I got a place in St. Joseph's Clancilla. And that's where I started my nurse training uh, 39 years ago uh, this year. And it's been three wonderful years there and made amazing friends. And it was a, it was a wonderful start to my nursing life and one that I have very fond memories of and which stands to me today. And was Dublin a big change from LEP? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dublin was a very big change from LEP. But we were quite protected, you know. We lived in a nursing home. We got a salary. The salary would have been quite good at the time because we would have been trained, you know, in the old style where it was all hospital-based training and you wore your nurse's uniform and you were afraid of the matron and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did what you were told. But it was wonderful training, wonderful training. And, you know, I made lifelong friends that I'm still in contact with today. And it was wonderful. And from there, where, where did you head for? Where there, in the 80s, there was, you know, very little work in Ireland. And I was bound maybe to go to England. I'd got a job in England and then uh, Cheeverstown House opened up. Uh, near Temple Oge in Dublin in 1984. I started working there in 85. So I worked there for a number of years and then a lot of people started immigrating and a lot of my friends, uh, you know, if you weren't married, there was something wrong with you or else you left the country. So my choice was to leave the country. So I joined some lovely friends in Sydney and I worked in Sydney for a number of years. That was a big move to go to Australia. I suppose it was at the time when I think about it, but equally I was going out to great friends great supports and you know there are a lot of people you know have left Ireland even now at the moment and there's a lot of people who can't come back but it's their friends is what's you know it's what keeps you going your friends are truly the family you choose for yourself your friends are your lifeline your music is your connection to home you know I was away when you you rang from a phone box there was no internet there was no uh, mobile phones you wrote letters you know and writing is great it's great uh, support you know and equally your friends we all supported each other but certainly music music was really the the contact with home you know you'd listen to the likes of you too the likes of the cranberries the likes of the saw doctors the, the woman's heart was out back then and it was you, you know you'd sit and you'd listen and you'd just yearn for home which you and did you hang around with australian people or irish people both you know, and I was in a lucky position where I worked in the most amazing, with the most amazing group of people. And I got the opportunity to do further nurse training. So I trained in psychiatry and I worked in the community in Sydney. And that's where I developed my love for community nursing and thought, gosh, I really want to do this. I want to do community nursing. When I came home, just the opportunity wasn't there. So I had to do further training. So I, I became a general nurse 
to then be able to go into the community at some stage. And when you were when you were a community nurse there, um, how would the Aussies react to an Irish girl coming in? Oh, they were amazing, Des. You know, nothing there was nothing you couldn't do, and they loved the they loved our work ethic. They loved uh, our approach. They loved they loved our kindness, and uh, we were truly very very well trained. And you know we were good at what we did, and you know they just gave you opportunity after opportunity, and nothing there was nothing you couldn't do. And I remember uh, when I was thirty, they were setting up a similar uh, setup in Tasmania uh, from Sydney, and we were sitting at a meeting, and we were just all sitting around all the disciplines and they said oh and I was we were saying who's going to set this up and they turned to me and they said yes Maria we're sending you down you're going to set it up and I was what <laughs> you know they, they they and there is a fantastic opportunity for any of you that are abroad and I've no doubt you're getting great experience but you never ever lose sight of your background or you never lose sight of your initial training or your whole ethos around the care the continuity the communication and the caring and that's there at your core because we do hear the Irish nurses are always in high demand internationally. Yeah, very much so, Des. And, you know, anybody that's even considering it, I would say just go. Go. You have the basics and you are well trained. And we train our students and all our staff here in Ireland so well. I, I, I meet beautiful students, you know, myself on the course of my work in Kinsale. And, I, and sometimes they're in awe. My God, Maria, you did this, you did that. I said... You can do it. You know, you have you have the you have the groundwork and you have the skills and keep at your heart, uh, you know, stay with your heart and keep that uh, caring cooperation, communication. And, you know, you have the knowing and you can do this. Well, you, you mentioned how music was so important to you when you were in Australia and your second musical choice, I presume, reflects that. Yes, I suppose, you know, Des, you too. Who doesn't know you too? And, you know, when I started my nurse training in Clancilla, uh, the first thing we had to do was turn to the person behind you and introduce yourself. And I turned to this lovely girl and she said, oh, my name is Gillian Evans. I have two brothers, one in, in the Virgin Prunes and one in U2. <laughs> and I was thinking, I think I've heard of U2. <laughs> and then subsequently I had to say, well, my name is Maria Burke. I'm from West Cork. I have four brothers and three, five brothers and three sisters. And she said, how am I going to remember all their names? <laughs> so, and you know, then when you travel and it's a great connection and you're so proud of anybody and how could we not be proud of you too? And look, they gave, in their kindness, giving PPE to the frontline staff. I say, good for you. Aren't you so kind? And I suppose the contact and the connection was always there and I had the opportunity to see them twice in Australia. And I mean, they are amazing. How amazing are they? And their music is so beautiful. And it made you proud to be Irish. Oh, very proud. Very proud. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's you too, with or without you. The choice of today's guest, Maria Burke, a frontline worker, a public health nurse in Kinsale, who's wrapping up our series uh, this week. So you you made the decision to leave Australia and come home. What What prompted that? Uh, I was getting to a stage in my life, you know, Des, uh, that, you know, am I going to live here? Am I going to settle or am I going to settle in Ireland? And, you know, it's a very big decision and came very close to buying a house. And I was thinking it, it, it the distance was the big, the, 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 the big decision factor, really, the distance and the cost. And it was very expensive, as anybody knows that have travelled, to make the trip. 
and I wanted to make the trip, you know, especially to visit my mother and my beautiful brother Francis and my siblings, you know, who at times mightn't, you know, love me as much as I love them. But equally, you know, it's a big decision. And I thought, no, I, I want to come home. Ireland is calling and Cork is calling. So that's I made that decision. <laughs> You know, which is a which is a louder call, Ireland's call or Cork's call? <laughs> well, you know, it's very hard to get a person out of Cork. It is. So I, so I know. But even though you came back, you were you were to leave Ireland again. I was, you know, days I came back and you know, like my one of my brothers says, "My God, Maria, you're the eternal student." I did further training. I did my general nursing, and I was at a stage where you know, I've no money, I've no house, I've no men. That's not that important. But uh, so I went to Saudi Arabia for two years to get a deposit for a house and, you know, to do further travelling, which I did. So I worked in Saudi for two years. And how did you find Saudi? Amazing. An amazing experience, an amazing opportunity. I met people from all over the world, you know, and the one thing that I have learned over my years, you know, Des, is it's just about being kind kindness, compassion and caring. And that is, you know, that's the at the forefront currently in the HSE. And never so never more so do we need this kindness, compassion and caring. And not only for others but for ourselves. You know? And if you have that kindness, compassion and caring for yourselves, then you will also have it for others. And we truly need that at the moment in this current, you know, crisis with COVID, which we will come true. We will mm. come true, you know. But but tell me, when you were in Saudi, had women uh, full freedom there? No, no. You know, and it was my choice to go to Saudi Arabia. You know, women couldn't drive. There was no cinema. You know, there was no socialising. I had to cover up if I went outside of my compound. But what I did find was the women, when you speak with them with dignity and respect and look into their eyes, even when they're wearing their face coverings, Oh, my God. And I mean, that's that's truly the essence of everybody, isn't it? You, you take people where they're at. You see them for who they truly are. No judgment. You know, there's no hierarchy here. We're all the same. I mean, it was just, the, you know, my choice to live in Saudi. So equally, I choose to to work within their guidances and, you know, be respectful of, you know, their religion, you know, what I had to do while I was there but really and truly met beautiful people and very well spoken. Very, You know, lots of the women spoke really good English. I was looking after, you know, neonatal babies, supporting the mothers uh, around, say, breastfeeding or the bonding with their babies. And should that in any language, you know, I see it now as a public health nurse, that you can do in any language, giving the, the mothers the confidence in you know, the relationship with their babies, with, with each other. It's all about relationship at the end of the day. And I, I found it empowering, really empowering. And, and did you have a social life there? We had an underground social life. You know, to a certain extent, but you know. Tell we, us about it. it. Sounds intriguing. <laughs> well, you know, there was um, there was you know places you could go to where you know there would be parties. You know, you could go to some of the compounds, especially the uh, the American military compounds would have parties and stuff and in your cohort of friends you know you might meet and you'd socialise to a certain degree but again there was the yearning for home and because uh, you were earning money or getting air miles a lot of the time you know you'd come back to Ireland or I used to travel, I travelled to America to visit my lovely brother Dennis and I equally went back and visited friends 
that I had left in Australia and reconnected with those. So there was those opportunities. So now you're you're back in Ireland and are you, are you going to head off again? No, no. Well, I have when I when, uh, when my daughter has finished school, she tells me we're going to head, you know, with my husband who wants to catch some sharks in Australia. <laughs> but uh, at the moment, no, I'll, I'll work and work in the front line, you know, and, you know, keep keep going and, and working hard for as long as I can and for as long as I love it because I really do truly love it and it's given me amazing opportunities but most of all it has allowed me to work with beautiful people and beautiful people who I see make a difference each and every day. Well well, in in having you on the programme today Maria that's what we'd like to do we're just acknowledging you and all of your colleagues in, in the public health service who have been so wonderful during Covid so look at thank you and everybody else for, for all the work that has been done. So we're going to play out with your final musical choice and tell us why you've chosen this one. I've chosen Westlife, uh, Des, because I was due to go to Westlife with my beautiful brother Francis and I've also had the opportunity to hear Westlife twice in Crow Park. And what an amazing group, an amazing hard-working group. And, you know, with myself and Francis are in Westlife, we have our arms around each other. We're belting out the Westlife songs and there is truly love in in every aspect of it. And, you know, love does work and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I look forward to that. The tickets are on hold, you know. <laughs> Westlife, myself yeah. and Francis, here we come. Okay, well, look, it's a lovely way to play it. Maria, thank you for all you've done. Lovely chatting with you and uh, continued success to you. Thank you, Maria Burke. Thank you, Des, for the opportunity. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.